I invite you to take your Bibles and turn with me this morning to the Gospel of Matthew. And we will be returning to our study in this book where we left off last week in chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5, our text this morning will be verses 14 through 16. But as you are turning there, I wonder what uh, significance you think that your life has on this world in which we live. Uh, Maybe some here uh, have some pretty high aspirations of a position of of some kind of prominence down the road, Uh, you know, being in a spotlight, a position of influence. Um, Maybe there's some aspirations of not being in the spotlight, but of doing something behind the scenes that at has significant and dramatic impact on a, on a number of people. There may be some like that with those kind of aspirations. I'm guessing that here this morning, uh, most of us would say, Pastor, if you're talking about in the eyes of the world, um, I'm pretty much a, a nobody, and my guess is, is going to stay that way. And uh, maybe you're you know, glad that you have a loving family and a few good friends, and, and you're just kind of fine with it. Uh, for you. I wonder what you think uh, about us here this morning collectively, you know, as Faith Baptist Church. What significance does, does this church have, do we collectively have on this world in which we live? You know, and I look out here, and I don't know how many of us are here, uh, but I, I know that we aren't anywhere close to being one of the biggest churches in the area. Hey, I, I was thinking earlier this week about, you know, the kind of folks that I thought might be in attendance this morning, and, and I didn't anticipate that there'd be anybody here that uh, holds public office. You know, you've been elected, you're an elected official. Uh, I mean, I, was, I, was, I know that Daniel uh, was recently elected to be chaplain of the Inner Society Council, so I mean, that's pretty high up. Um, but I wasn't anticipating, you know, something uh, a lot more high up than that. I, we, we certainly would welcome uh, an elected official. And if I'm missing one, I, I apologize. I didn't anticipate that, nor do I mean to demean that. But I'm just thinking I'm not aware of published authors in our midst. Again, if that's the case for you, I'm glad for that. Um, I didn't anticipate, you know, university presidents being with us. I'm not even sure that we have anyone that's a, you know, college professor at any level, though we've had that in the past and would welcome that again in the Lord's will. Um, I don't know of anyone who's even had, you know, one of those social media posts go viral, whatever, whatever that might be. Uh, I'm not aware of uh, any Division I college athletes or coaches, um, you know, professional athlete. We, of course, we, we have a coach and we have some players that made it to the South Carolina Association of Christian Schools small school division state championship basketball game. Um, but uh, while it was a lot of fun, I haven't heard of, you know, anyone offering lucrative uh, endorsements to wear their apparel or anything by the, by the Easley Eagles. Um, as I was thinking about it, seriously, I, I think that the highest up kind of influencer of, of many people um, this morning is that we have a, a former camp director, but even he's former. 
So, uh, so what kind of significance do you think that we have in the world? And I can tell you in all seriousness that on the authority of Jesus himself, if you are a true citizen of Christ's kingdom, you are the light of the world. You are as an individual, and we collectively, uh, as kingdom citizens in this local church, we are the light of the world. And in fact, if you just look here at verse number 14, you're not only the light of the world, but you are a city that is set on a hill that cannot be hid. And if you wonder, does that really apply to me? Well, if you are, in fact, a citizen of, of Christ's kingdom, if you want to explore, am I, in fact, a citizen of Christ's kingdom? One place you could explore that is just looking earlier here in the Lord's Sermon, this Sermon on the Mount. Have you, for instance, back in verse 3, have you confessed that on your own, in the sight of God, you are a spiritual what? That you are, as we explored that word, a spiritual beggar. Have you, in, in verse 4, as he continued, have you mourned and grieved your, your wayward, sinful, self-willed life? Have you, in verse 5, responded to the scripture that declares these things about us with meekness? Have you, by the grace of God, in verse 6, been, been earnest, hungered after being entirely right with God? Have you learned even through the gospel that the only way to be truly right with God is to, by faith, claim the, the righteous life and sacrificial death of Christ as your only substitute? Have you so come to Christ that you have been transformed so that in verse 7, you are kind and merciful to others. In verse 8, you seek an ongoing purifying of your heart. In verse 9, you really serve for the well-being of others. And in verse 10, if it comes to it, you will suffer persecution for identity with Christ and the gospel of Christ. And, and obviously more can be explored from, from the entire Bible. But, but if these kind of qualities are in your life, if, if that kind of work of God is true of you, then Jesus says you are now the light of the world. You, you are what we explored together last week in verse number 13. If you just back up there, you are the salt of the earth. And you might remember from last week that a, a primary function of salt in this time was that of being a preservative, uh, preserving, preventing the effects of, of rot and corruption. And the, and the Lord proclaimed that his people do function as a preserving influence in the midst of a culture that is full of moral rot and that on its own is decaying more and more. And to function that way, remember, we have, to, we have to rub shoulders with the lives of the people in our community. Salt doesn't preserve meat when the salt is on one shelf and the meat is in a completely different place. 
our lives are going to have to rub up against and, and into, in, in some respect, the lives of the people of this world if we're going to have an influence for good. But for us to function as a preservative, as the end of that verse also cautions, we're going to have to maintain discernibly different priorities and values and directions and mindsets if we succumb to the pressure to become what that world is, then, and we, we conform to it and adapt to it, we lose our distinctiveness. And like he says at the end of verse 14, like salt that is all mixed in with contaminants has lost its saltiness, so we too end up good for nothing. And when the people of God try to conform to this world and end up like the world, we, we end up being good for nothing other than to be trampled upon by the world in our individual lives and even in our corporate testimony. Now, in many ways, this second figure, so verse 13, we have the salt of the earth, and, and now verse 14, the light of the world. And in many respects, they're emphasizing the same Realities, But the Lord used both of the illustrations to make his point, and we want to consider uh, the contribution of this figure, the light of the world, as well. And the function of light, right? We are trying to consider what, what was the primary function of salt in that time. But the function of light is really not hard to get a grasp on. It's essentially... Uh, its essential function is just dispelling darkness. Okay? Turn the light on to dispel the darkness. And, and I think you know that people can have some painful experiences in the dark. Some of you probably had some of those. Um, when I was a teen, I worked for one of the men in our church in Colorado. And one night his wife was away visiting some relatives and um, he had crawled in bed and turned off all the lights when he heard the phone ringing. And he figured it was his wife calling to check in. And he wanted to make sure he got it. And this was not only before cell phones. I know this is the dark ages, right? But this is before voicemail. I'm pretty sure it was even before answer machines at the time I'm talking about. And um, he didn't have a phone up in his room. It was in the kitchen. And I've been in the house um, many times, so I know the layout. But... Um, he didn't want to miss the call, phone's ringing, so he decided he didn't even turn the lights on. He just ran uh, straight down the little flight of stairs through their living room into the kitchen as fast as he could get there. The problem was that right before she left, um, his wife had rearranged some of the furniture. And um, in his mad dash, he caught his little toe on a chair that he wasn't used to finding where he found it. And, um, and he, he was in incredible pain, but he answered the phone, turned the light on, and discovered that his little toe was sticking straight out from the side of his foot. And, uh, and you may have faced something like that in the dark. Sometimes the consequences are, are much worse. Um, just a couple years ago, I wish I could tell you this was from an illustration book, and it's not really true, but it is true. A school teacher in Connecticut was awakened one o'clock by a neighbor's call of concern that there was, um, they thought, an intruder outside. And uh, when, again, hearing this from the neighbor, he got up, he confronted the figure that was in the dark. It was wearing black, and 
couldn't see the face, and um, according to what the neighbor had said, he had a shiny object in his hand, and, and when the man confronted the suspected robber, the figure seemed to move towards him in a threatening manner, but when the lights were turned on in the aftermath, he realized to his horror that he had shot and killed his 15-year-old adopted son. And the fact is that while these kind of tragic things happen physically, and that's obviously tragic, many people spend their entire life spiritually, morally, socially, in every way, stumbling around in the dark. Trying to make this life work, trying to make sense of this life in in light of eternity. It it is the role of light to dispel darkness so that we can see what we're doing. So that we can see where we're going. So that we can respond to the the circumstances properly. And and again, when it comes to the figurative use of, of the term, it's interesting that people... And in our society as a whole, don't think of themselves as stumbling around in the dark. They think of themselves as being pretty enlightened, especially you get in in certain social circles. I mean, some view the Renaissance era, 15th and 16th centuries as the time when modern civilization began. You know, the Greek classics, so-called, were discovered, rediscovered. Uh, philosophical, scientific knowledge began to greatly influence uh, people's lives. The 18th century gave us an even greater dose of that same movement. Isn't it interesting that the world gave itself the title, the what? The Enlightenment. That same period, though, marks a new attack on the authority of the Bible in its place, the elevation of philosophy and human thought and feeling, and again, the so-called sciences. But when Jesus said, again, to those that were listening, when he said to those who had responded, when he said, you are the light of the world, that statement by implication is saying about the world that the world is in what? That the world is in darkness. And I would just remind us that he said that after Aristotle and Plato and Socrates had already produced their wisdom. Think about our enlightened society today. Think about the relationships between nations on this earth or the interpersonal relationships of people. I I took a look at some internet news sources on Friday uh, of this week, so just a couple days ago. All right, here's some of the headlines. Here's, here's some of the international headlines. The end of Hong Kong. I'm quoting just the headline. The end of Hong Kong. China's power grab stuns protest hit country. Or Trump administration pulling out of major arms treaty due to Russian violations. Or, U.S. military hold live fire training in Persian Gulf after Iran encounters. Here's how we're doing it at getting along with each other. I'm not talking now nation versus nation. 
Here, here's how we're doing getting along with each other. You know this is in our neighboring state. But this headline said, Man who recorded Ahmad Arbery shooting arrested on murder charges. Or Mississippi church fighting coronavirus restrictions burned to the ground in arson attack. If you've read any of the graffiti of that, it's incredible. Or even this one, nine-year-old boy with autism who was reported abducted found dead in Florida. Or think about what's called domestic, right, at home. Young mother mysteriously vanished from Atlanta after altercation with her boyfriend. Or man on Zoom call killed by son as others in meeting watched. And for whatever it's worth, I didn't go like looking. I, this was actually like Fox News and NBC, just so you know. Okay, there's the spectrum, huh? But think about basic morality. One of our sports heroes by the name of Lance Armstrong, four-hour documentary coming out about him, Somebody asked him ahead of time what people are going to find out, and he said they're going to find out that I told 10,000 lies during my doping scandal. And there were other headlines I started to jot down about homosexual and transgender matters, and then I just concluded they, they'd probably be defiling in one way or another to even mention this morning further. Now, brethren, these things don't point to a very enlightened society despite all of its claims. And in other places, Jesus himself and the rest of the scripture explicitly states the true condition of our society. Jesus said in John 3, verse 19, this is the condemnation that light is coming to the world and men love darkness rather than light because their deeds are evil. In Ephesians 4, verse 17, Paul said, This I say, therefore, and, test, uh, and testify in the Lord, that ye henceforth walk not as other Gentiles walk. Well, well, what would be characteristic of the Gentiles? He goes on to say, They have their understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God through the ignorance that is in them because of the blindness of their heart. Colossians chapter 1 and verse 13, salvation is described as being delivered from the power of darkness. 1 Peter 2 and verse 9, again, as we read this morning, salvation is described as being called out of darkness into this marvelous light. And when Paul described the condition, the, the commission that God had given him, he described it in Acts 26 and verse 18 this way. He said it was to open their eyes and turn them from darkness to light, from the power of Satan unto God. That's the Bible's direct statement again and again about the condition of our society. I do want to have you turn over to Romans chapter 13. There are multiple other texts we could look at that just in general refer to men living in moral darkness to deeds done in the dark and but it's just given as if it assumes we have a pretty good idea of what is meant without it being spelled out for us. But 
But this is a passage that does spell out some of the, those deeds. Notice Romans 13 and verse 12. We read, The night is far spent, the day is at hand. Let us therefore cast off the works of darkness. Let us put on the armor of light. Let us walk honestly as in the day, not in. And now we get this list. Here's some of the deeds of the darkness that we're going to cast off. Not in rioting, which is just, you know, carousing, partying, void of all forms of sobriety and drunkenness, literal, alcohol, inebriation. Not in chambering, which is just talking about sexual promiscuity and wantonness, which is unbridled lust. And then not in strife and envy. All right, you get that picture. Parties where just normal, wholesome inhibitions are gone. Alcohol is flowing. Sensuality is everywhere. People get so full of themselves and unbridled that they get into arguments and fighting. And, and sometimes vandalism is done and even murders are committed. I mean, that's the kind of characteristic of the deeds people are doing in the darkness and against that backdrop jesus says again you are the light of the world and again the the implication of that is is that the ordinary christian may never have read even one work classic work of philosophy knows more about life than the greatest expert who is not a believer that the people in the lord's audience that day to whom he spoke those words they were just ordinary people entirely unimportant in the eyes of the world and brother a statement like that ought to encourage us with what a remarkable incredible privilege it is to be a christian you're the light of the world you know more about life than the greatest experts that are apart from the grace of god but as we hear that kind of truth and emphasis we do need to be reminded that we are a privileged people not because of anything inherently good in ourselves we're a privileged people. I'll even say it this way. We are an enlightened people in and through a relationship with Jesus Christ. Again, Ephesians 5, 8 says, you were formerly darkness. You remember that, don't you? Many of you, do you remember what that was like? Making, trying to make your life work, stumbling around in the dark? You were formerly darkness. But now are you light in the Lord? John 8 and verse 12, Jesus spake again unto them, saying, I am the light of the world. He that followeth me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. He's the true light, and, and we are lights only as he's seen through us. Dr. Donald, Day, uh, Donald Gray Barnhouse, sorry, was, was a pastor in Philadelphia uh, that went to be with the Lord in 1960. You can still read some of his books. He's a well-known speaker and 
writer, but he on multiple occasions would, would say that um, when Jesus was in the world, he was a bit like the sun, which is here by day and gone by night. But when the sun goes down, what comes up? The moon comes up, and, and he would say the picture, the, the moon is a picture of Christians. It shines, but it doesn't shine by its own light. It shines only because it reflects the light of the what? The light of the sun. And, and we as believers, uh, and collectively as a church, we, we reflect the light. But it's not our own. We reflect the light of Jesus Christ. And our relationship with his light begins with, with gospel ministry. Turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 4. And many references this morning were mentioning in passing, but this one is so vital, it's so wonderful that we really need to see it. Read it, contemplate it. Notice 2 Corinthians chapter 4, in verse 4. We'll go back even maybe to verse 3. Let's do that. But if our gospel be hid, it is said to them that are lost, in whom that is in the lost ones, the, the God of this world, hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light... Of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. For we preach not ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord, and ourselves your servants for Jesus' sake. Now notice this, brother. For God, who commanded the light to shine out of darkness, has shined in our hearts to give there, in our hearts, to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. And brethren, I tell you, every time the gospel is preached in the power of the Spirit of God and applied to a life and that sinner receives Christ, it is the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, dispelling the darkness that is in every one of our hearts. Our relationship to the light begins with that gospel dispelling, uh, that, that, that darkness dispelling ministry of the gospel. And then the rest of the scripture affirms that the degree to which we, we experience the light and radiate his light is impacted by the degree of our fellowship with him in and through his word. Think about this, you, you know this, even if you don't know the reference, Psalm 119, verse 130 says, The entrance of thy word giveth what? Giveth light. It giveth understanding unto the simple. His words give light. Again, you who were formerly darkness are now light in the Lord. And then the applicational exhortation is made, walk as children of the light. Walk in fellowship with the one who is light through his words. And when the gospel has penetrated our hearts and we're walking in fellowship with the Lord, we are light bearers. Philippians 2 and verse 15 says that we should be blameless and harmless, the sons of God without rebuke in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation among whom ye shine as lights 
in the world. Blameless, harmless, like God. Because you shine as lights. Walk in fellowship with him. Now, go back to Matthew chapter 5. And after this pronouncement that we are lights. Ye are the light of the world, a city that is set on a hill. Look at what follows that. Verse 15, neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick. Then he giveth light unto all that are in the house. I mean, he's using a concept that it's almost absurd. When, when I think about the scariest times of being in the dark for me, I, I have vivid memories of, as a, especially as a young boy in the state of Washington, living in the middle of the apple orchard. It was a rented house for us, and uh, we lived just surrounded by apples. There were some cherries and pears as well, but mostly apple orchard. And we had, we had a house, and then there was a shed, a, a decent-sized yard, a shed out behind the house, and, and out behind the shed were several um, containers that were where we burned garbage. And so it was my responsibility to get that garbage out. And you would have thought I would learn to get the garbage out while it was still daylight. But I repeatedly procrastinated, and so I'd be taking eight, nine years old, I'd be taking the garbage out, <coughs> out that, that big yard, and then out behind the shed, and every time I started to turn the corner, got behind the shed where, you know, the, the, the shed's blocking the light, and I'm having to turn and get out in that burn pile, I'm just sure, I mean, I'm going to die every night. <laughs> Just sure I'm going to die out there. And, and uh, my parents, especially if I procrastinated, they weren't giving me the flashlight. Just get out there, dump the garbage, and get back. Right? But, but if you have a light, right, and, and you recognize the darkness and you've got any apprehension of the darkness, you don't light the thing and then put it under a bushel. I mean, it's absurd that you do that. You light it and, and you put it up where it radiates. But the very fact that Jesus, Jesus says something about it is telling us that far too many Christians... that have been recipients of gospel ministry. The light of the glorious gospel of Christ has shined into their hearts. And they have his word that is light for their thinking and their decision-making and, and every aspect of their inner man. They have his light on what life is about and how it works and where it's headed and and how to make the most of it for time and for all eternity. And then they start to encounter the darkness around them. And for some reason, for some reason, they start to actually 
in conformity to this world, to its pressures, in, in starting to get a little embarrassed about how different we are, in, in starting to feel a little reproach and, and, and pay a little bit of, of cost, we just start to become a little bit more like the dark world around us so that we don't stick out as much. And it's amazing how what can go right along with that is we start, to lo- we, we start to lose a sense of who I really even am in Christ. And, and what I'm here for in this world as a representative of Christ. And we start to lose even what, what I'm living for and mission and, and other things just start to be routine. I mean, going to church is routine and my devotional life is routine. And so pretty soon, even if I'm going through the motions of you know, read the chapter a day because a good Christian's supposed to do that. I'd start losing the nurture of fellowship and communion with the Lord. And, and before long, I'm really just a very flickering, very flickering representation of the one who is the light. And, and, whose likeness is supposed to be radiated out of me in the dark world. Brethren, do men, and I know we ask this question, but I mean, it's as, it's as true to this text as any, do men see Jesus Christ in you? And I, and I want to tell you, they will not find the light of Christ in the world They're not going to find it in the world's literature. They will not find the light of Christ in the world's culture and its hobbies, its pastimes, and its heroes. You you can look. I've been aware of the 10-part Michael Jordan documentary. I don't know how many of you are. I remember as a boy, I remember watching the incredible shot that that beat the Cleveland Cavaliers and knocked them out of the playoffs when he was just becoming Jordan. I remember trying to mimic that shot. I remember the drive and all that. I'm giving one example, and there may be others that have inspired you, and the whole world got to see it. And and I was so glad for my kids to see this most dominant factor that I try to tell them about. Most of our old heroes, they watch a little video, and they're like, Dad, those guys aren't athletic at all. But they got to see something of it. You know what they got to see? An empty life. An empty life. And broken lives everywhere around anything having to do with that. And that's what people find everywhere in our culture. And they will find Jesus and his light in you only as you really look to Jesus and as you spend time with him and as you allow some of his life to be reflected in your life and as you do it unashamedly, you live out the values that he says are true of citizens of his kingdom. 
And you may be tempted to think that only applies to special Christians. Again, the, the whole point of the, of the illustration, of Jesus' illustration in his message, the whole point of it is that it applies to every believer in the Lord Jesus Christ. Oh, brethren, how thankful are you that God shined the light of the gospel into your sin-darkened heart? I had no opportunity to prepare. I was standing on the sideline coaching a youth football game. And in the flow of a conversation with an assistant coach who told me he believes there's some kind of supreme being out there. He doesn't know what to call he, she, it. I'm probably more Buddhist, he said. And we're standing on the sideline and we're talking a little bit. He said, how did you get into what you do anyway? And with no opportunity to prepare, I just said, you know what? I have had the wonderful privilege since before I can remember of being in a home where the Bible was opened and of having it all my life and of pointing, first of all, to Jesus Christ and relating to God through him and then having the light of all of that to guide my whole life. And I'm so burdened to help people that are stumbling around in the dark. Sometimes people get to the place that they wish they had a more dramatic salvation testimony, you know, as an adult. I can tell you that I've not felt that way, and, I, and I'm not disparaging anybody who's thought that. But the more I watch people live, and I felt this way growing up, the more I watch people live, the more I say, thank you, God, that you let me have the light of the gospel and the word all these years of my life. How thankful are you that the power of God has shined the light of the gospel into your heart? How thankful are you that you've been made light in the Lord through the indwelling spirit, making the presence of Christ real, illuminating your mind through the word of God. You've had the privilege of living in that light. If you're truly thankful for that, why would you try to conceal it? By adapting to the darkness of this world all around us. If we're truly thankful, how can we not live with a broken heart at the evidence of people stumbling around in the dark? And, what's worse, they're headed for eternity in the darkness of hell. We ought to be a most humble, thankful people. We ought to be the most joyfully, gladly, distinct people. We ought to be people with a mission to shining the radiance of Christ to the glory of God in a sin-darkened world. What an incredible mission incredible salvation would you bow your heads and close your eyes and i just want to give you opportunity to respond to the lord